Good, good. Hey, I want to uh, bring to you uh, some exciting news, something to be praying for and something to even consider taking part in. Uh, you may know Danny and Linda Mullins. Uh, they've been attending our church for a while. And they recently were contacted by a local pastor whose health was failing. And sadly, he passed away. But in, in, the, in the process of them passing, uh, they were praying about what to do with this church building that he had. It's, it's Maple City right across the railroad tracks, basically. Maple City Baptist, I think, is the name of the church. And he basically handed it over to Danny to take care of. And so Danny was praying, like, okay, Lord, what do I do with this building that you've given us? Uh, what, what's next? And it's just kind of cool. I wish he was here. He was here at the first service, but he's actually over there right now uh, serving uh, a church. Uh, so he, he prayed, like, Lord, what do I do? And... Doug Jividen, he spoke, he preached for me a, a few weeks ago and had went to Danny and said, hey, I, I want you to know of this Venezuelan uh, pastor who wants a, plant, a Hispanic church in the area and was, is looking for a place to meet. Like, could that be a possibility? And Danny's like, well, I've been praying about what to do with it, and so here's this opportunity. And so I, a couple weeks ago, I think, a few weeks ago or so, uh, this Hispanic really core group has started meeting over at that building. Uh, and so that's where Danny's is at right now with them. Their service starts at 11. And so they first had about 11 or 20 people. And then there's also God has blessed our community with a Haitian group that's been coming. And many of them are attending over there as well. And one of the burdens that they have is, first of all, most of them do not speak really good English. And so there's this desire, this need for them to learn English. And so Linda has had it in her heart for a long time. I mean, first of all, they just have a heart for international missions. And we all should too, right? Because God cares about uh, missions everywhere. He's, he, America is by far not the only place God, God cares for the whole world. And so Linda's had it on her heart uh, to teach English as a second language. And she would tell you she doesn't speak English or she speaks English. She doesn't speak Spanish, doesn't speak, um, the Haitians speak, I think, uh, what is it? Creole, French, yes. And she doesn't speak any of those things. But, like, it's important to help have conversational uh, English with, with those who are wanting to learn. And so there have a, there's many of them who are desiring to learn how to speak English. And Linda it wants to be starting that very soon. And so we're bringing the request to the church because we believe God has placed us in this community for a reason to care for those around us. And here's this awesome opportunity for us to surround uh, our brothers and sisters who are wanting to grow and learning English. And so we're bringing that request to you. Uh, Linda can't do it alone. And so we want to be uh, people, a church who is helping with this mission. So what, what is that going to look like? Well, first of all, we don't know at this point. Uh, we're just trying to gather a group of troops who would be willing to sit down with people, I don't know if it's going to be weekly or how it will work out, who just have conversations, who are just speaking English. How many of you can speak English? Raise your hand. If you're able to, you can, you can even if you're not good at English in school. Like this is not like English in school. Praise the Lord. And all God's people said amen. Some of you are like, come on now. My wife was an English major. She, that's why I married her. So when I come up here, I'd make a little bit of sense. So, <laughs> um, but it's, it's not about being able to speak any other language. It's really just about having conversations. And what an awesome opportunity to serve our community. So if that would interest you, you can email uh, the church at info at mygospelcc.org. You could also uh, email me, ben at mygospelcc.org. And then I'll make sure Linda gets that 
that email and let's, let, I'll let her know that you have interest and she'll reach out to you to see how we can do that. Isn't that an awesome opportunity? Can we just thank the Lord that he's provided this open door? It's pretty amazing that what God has done. I mean, when God, when God moves in these ways and you're like, Lord, what do we do? Um, we, we just cry out to him and it's amazing how he opens doors. Well, at this point, let me invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. And let me ask you this question. How many of you are Cedar Point fans? Any Cedar Point fans in here? I love Cedar Points. If you are in grades, heading into grades 6 through 12th, we're going to be heading out there soon. If you want to be a chaperone, maybe we could bring you along. Who knows? Uh, I love roller coasters. Uh, anybody just despise them? Any roller coaster haters? <laughs> Got one or two here. Uh, I love the thrill of being in line with somebody who's never been on one. And they're staring in line, looking up, and it's three, four hundred feet high hills that they're about to face. And the fear and the questions that they ask and, like, uh, the tears that sometimes come out of those. Dad, please don't make me do it. I don't know why. It's always the dads who are making their kids go on these things. And then when you get actually on the roller coaster and you got that click, 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 click up that first big hill and people are crying and you got people praying behind you. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I, I love the feel of roller coaster. And then when you get to the top and it kind of freezes and then boom, and you're screaming as you head down and then you stop screaming because all the lungs and the, the breath in your lungs has disappeared. Man, I love that feeling. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like what life is like? Isn't life just full of a bunch of ups and downs? <clears throat> and as we look at scripture, we see even in the book of Acts, Paul has been on this roller coaster ride. And in the midst of it, <coughs> excuse me, let me get a drink of water here. In the midst of it, there is one constant. <coughs> and that is God. I appreciate your prayers as my voice is starting to go here. God is the one source of comfort through <coughs> our ups and downs. Rich, can I, have, can I ask you to do a favor? Man, would you mind reading the text for me? You can bring him up if you want. <coughs> I don't think I'm going to make it. <coughs> Excuse me. That was me, not them.
Anchorage for that. Nothing like having a guy come up fresh and read through some crazy names. But nevertheless, God's word moves forth and so shall we. I think we'd agree as we see here that, that Paul's life was a roller coaster ride. I mean, just up and down. I mean, where did we find him at? at what, where was he at? What was he doing when we first ran into him in the book of Acts? Uh, he was persecuting Christians. And if you remember, Stephen was stoned for his faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul was there holding the coats of the men who were doing the stoning, approving of it. And then dramatically, as Paul was on his way to Damascus, on the verge of persecuting even more Christians, God shows up in a powerful way and Jesus opens his eyes, blinds him, helps him to see his need for Jesus. And Paul repents of his faith and uh, repents of his sins and places his faith and trust in Christ as Savior. And here's something that's important for us to understand. Did Paul then live happily and easily ever after? <laughs> no. In fact, there was a sense where he may have faced even more ups and downs than he did before. But through it all, there was a constant. It was God, the God of all comfort, who met Paul in the midst of these hard situations. And, and here we find it where we're at in Acts 18 that things did not get any easier for him, though. He finds himself in Corinth, a city that had nothing, <laughs> no resemblance hardly of God whatsoever. Here's a little bit of history of, of Corinth. Corinth was the, the crossroads of Greece. It was a small strip of land that separated uh, like a bridge, the north from the south. And the, the strip of land is, it's not very wide. It's got two major ports on it. And on the east and the west side, connecting the Aegean and the Ionian Sea, respectively. In addition to being a major city for sailors and traders, it was home to the goddess uh, Aphrodite. And here's the thing about the, the temple there. There were a thousand Aphrodite goddesses who would go into the city at night as a ministry. And it was a ministry of prostitution. And they would encourage the visitors and those who lived in Corinth to come and worship Aphrodite. I mean, to say that the city was gross and immoral and vile is an understatement. Now, certainly, uh, the cities around it weren't a whole lot better, but Corinth was a whole deeper level of depravity. In fact, if you were called a Corinthian, it was a, a, it was a put down. It was basically calling you a prostitute, a whore, and a drunkard. It was not a compliment. Very much so, Corinth made Las Vegas look like Elkhart County. <laughs> this was one messed up place. And this was not in Paul's comfort zone. If you remember, where did Paul come from? Where, where did he just come from? came from Athens, if you remember. Athens was not a place like this. They were a very academic place. And Paul had a very academic upbringing. He was a, he was a, a Pharisee, and so he was very intelligent he knew the law. He would have great conversations with those people. That was more his comfort zone. To, but, but to come into this, really no other way of saying it, cesspool of Corinth and to be so all alone was, had to be very troubling for Paul. And we know that it was a struggle based on what 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 through 3 says. And I'll read it for you. No need to turn there. But this is what 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 3 says. It's Paul speaking. And when I came to you, brothers... I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. 
For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Paul faced the city of Athens alone, and there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of trepidation in his soul on being there. This was not his cup of tea with the people that he had to deal with. This was certainly a low point for Paul. But there was comfort for him. There was peace that he could find in these ups and downs. In fact, uh, I want to talk about five ways that God brings comfort to us in this roller coaster ride of life. And the first way of comfort is this. God gives us community. God, God gives us community. Notice who he runs to in verse 2. He's arrived at this sin-filled city, an unfamiliar territory. He knows no one. He's at a place where he needs to find work to support himself. Notice he's only in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He's not able to spend all of his time doing that. He's got to find a way to support himself. He needs a place to live. And he runs runs into Aquila and Priscilla, who... Did the same kind of work that Paul did. What kind of work did Paul do? Do you know? Was his occupation? He was a tent maker. And so that's what Priscilla and Aquila did. And what a, what a gift of God's grace here as he brings them to them. Not only are they just tent makers who can provide a job, but they give them a place to live. And better yet, these are fellow believers in Jesus Christ. Paul was not left alone. God provided community for Paul to be a part of in order to bring encouragement because Paul understood his need for others. He knew that he could not do ministry alone. He could not do life by himself. He needed other brothers and sisters to come alongside to encourage him. And these would have been relationships that lasted the rest of his life. We read about Priscilla and Aquila in Romans 16 as Paul addresses the people there, the Roman church. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. They they played a major part in Paul's life. And then we also see here that guess who's coming, who comes shortly after he gets there? Uh, I'm not sure the time frame here, but Silas and Timothy, we see Join him. Look at verse 5. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Greek, that the, that, to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And so, not only did Silas and Timothy come as relationship building, as, as support, as encouragement, but they also brought funds so that Paul could be ministering all throughout the week. We see now that he can turn his attention to the preaching of the word. Once again, community, even outside of his local community there, is thinking about Paul, is supporting him. And we see that 2 Corinthians 11.9, we see this support being made to him. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 9 says, And when I was with you and was in need, so this is a letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. Who came from Macedonia? It was Silas and Timothy. And then Philippians 4.15, we realize the Philippian church was a part of this. 
It says this, and you Philippians, Paul says, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. And we just see how the community has surrounded Paul and has cared for him and supported him so that he could be about the mission that God has called him to do. Very much this week, I found myself very grateful for this community. And I'm sure Zach would say the same thing, how grateful we are that, that we can minister the gospel without worrying about taking care of our family. So thank you for those of you who have participated in allowing our church to get off the ground. But what an awesome gift the community of God is to his people. You know, I spent a lot of time this week pondering how the church in general thinks about Christian community. And I found myself quite burdened. I mean, you look at the early church here, you think about all the different ways that they suffered. You think of even how minuscule they were amongst all the people. Like, they didn't have a bunch of people. And in in a very real sense, they didn't get to choose their community. (laughs) They didn't get to choose who they hung out with. Like, there were so few believers. Like, whoever was there, they were just glad to have those believers. Like, it didn't matter who it was. They just took who God put in their place. Here in America, what happens if you get offended in a church? Just go to the church down the street. Now, there are some legit reasons why people leave churches. I'm not here to say that if you've left another church, obviously many of you did to come plant this church. I'm not to, it's not here to say uh, that it's always wrong to leave a church. But I think a lot of people take the easy way out and just say, well, this offended me, so I'm just going to go. Without, without being willing to dive in, without being to lean in, without being willing to get understanding of what the situation is. But, like, think about what they went through here. Think about all the suffering that Priscilla and Aquila went through. Why were they here in Corinth? Well, the text says that Claudius, verse 2, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And so guess where Aquila and Priscilla, they, they had to take up what made them money, all their customers, they had to find new customers, they had to start from scratch here in the evil city of Corinth. I mean, how many of you have had to quit your job and move to a completely different place because you got kicked out? And so Priscilla and Aquila needed Paul just as much as Paul needed Priscilla and Aquila. They understood the need for community. And here's the truth. We are just as desperate for gospel community as they were then. We are no less desperate. Here's the, here's the problem, though. Most of us don't under, or many of us. I realize some of us, I'm just preaching to the choir, but many of us don't even understand that we are desperate for community. The question is not whether we are desperate. The question is whether or not we understand how desperate we truly are. Because we're all a mess. None of us gets it right. We need each other. And I am burdened for the church in America for many people who choose not to put themselves in community. It's one thing to be part of a church, but it's easy to come in, church's service is over, and leave without really interacting, without building community, without understanding our need for each other. And I think scripture is very clear of the fact that we need community. So we're going to go on a little journey. I'm going to take you through several passages because I don't want you to just hear 
oh, here's Ben, here's Ben, here's the pastor. He wants us to be a part of small groups. He wants to be part of church. We've got to go to the prayer meeting. Like, it can become some burdensome thing that we're just, like, oh, that he's just, uh, that's his job. And so he's trying to get people to come to it. Like, we don't have small groups because I think it's the cool thing to do. We don't have prayer gatherings because I think that's what churches should do. Like, we do it because that's what God has called us to do. Because we're desperate for him. We're tempted to think that we can do it all of our own. We're tempted to think that I don't need to come together and pray. And so I want you to see directly from God's word this call to be in community. And I would argue beyond just the Sunday morning gathering. We are called to do life one with another. Turn with me. Keep your finger here. We'll come back. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Certainly I think you have heard me share many of these verses that I'm going to read. But it is so important for us to understand and be convinced that this is what God called us to do. You, as the church attender, should take everything I say and take it, bring it captive to the obedience of Christ. Do, does what I say match with what God's word says? And if it does, and we are called to do certain things, that's on you. It's on us to follow through what God has called us to do. Hebrews 3, starting in verse 12. Take care, brothers, and you could put sisters in there as well, just as easily. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. How often should we exhort one another? Every day. Exhort means to encourage. It means to admonish. It means to be in each other's life. It means to know one another. We are to do this every day as long as it is called what? Today. When today is gone, what comes? Tomorrow. But when tomorrow is here, what is it actually? It's today. <laughs> so as long as today is called today, we should be exhorting one another. Every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Why do we gather together? Why are we called to meet together? Because each and every one of us here has the temptation to become hard-hearted. Each of us has the temptation to turn our hearts away from the things of the Lord. Hard things come. Trials come. Tragedy strikes. And sometimes we find ourselves in a hole. Woe to the person who finds themselves in that place without somebody to pick them up. That's why we're called to live together. That's why we're called to do it regularly because we could go weeks and weeks and weeks without seeing somebody and then all of a sudden we reach out because we realize we haven't seen them and we can find out that they have gone off the complete deep end. But if you are, if you are intentionally doing life together in relationships, then those kind of things are caught sooner before things fall apart. Each of us are tempted to fall away and have a hard heart. So we need to exhort one another. We need to encourage one another every day as long as it's called today. This is not a suggestion. Hey, you know what? You might want to meet regularly. You might want to be in the lives of other people because, hey, maybe you could have a hard heart. No, you will have a hard heart. If you keep to yourself, no one's calling you out. And isn't that a reason why a lot of people don't like community? Because they don't want to be called out. Can I be honest with you? I, in my faith with Christ, want to be called out. Now, obviously, I understand there are people here who have been burned. And I want to be sensitive to that. And if that's you, if you have been burned by Christian community, first of all, I'm sorry. 
And if we've been a part of that, uh, please forgive us for that. It's not our intention. But we don't get a clause here to say, well, if you've been burned, then it's okay. Just forget about community. Like sometimes, you know, the question would be, did you lean back in to say, hey, you did this to me, or you felt this way? Listen, most of the times that we offend and get offended, it's done in ways that we don't even understand. Like people leave often the church, and we don't even understand why they left. But we are called to meet together. Hebrews 10. Turn to Hebrews 10. One of my favorite two verses on community is Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me ask you this. Is there stirring up that happens on a Sunday morning? Yeah. Hopefully I'm stirring you guys up in your faith. Is there intentional stirring up of one another on a Sunday morning? In most cases, no. Maybe a little bit more on a coffee and donuts day like today. But like there's not a whole lot of stirring up one another towards loving good deeds. Number one, we don't really know each other. And so if we don't really know one another, then how can we stir up? But if we're doing life together, let's say in a small group, we get to know those in our group and we know what they're struggling because they've shared it, they've opened it. And so that we can encourage our brothers and sisters. We are not to neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. This, this calls for us to consider our participation in Sunday morning. This should this cause us to consider our participation in small groups. This should cause us to consider our participation in a prayer gathering together as God's people. Some people neglect those meetings. We come to church when we feel like it. You, like Sadly, the average statistic for considering a per, whether or not a person is a regular tender is once a month. If we are giving once a month to the church, I'm, I'm like... There are circumstances that arise, work, travel. Like I, I don't want to be legalistic here. But if we are neglecting meeting and we're just deciding to stay home because it's not convenient, what are we saying about our understanding of our need for God in his community? If we don't choose to do, if we choose not to do life together in a smaller group, if we choose not to open our lives, if we choose not to allow people to understand who we truly are, what are we saying about God and his word? If you're not convinced, i got a few more. Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. It says this, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Listen. Is it easy to hide your sin if all you do is come to church on Sunday and then go home after, right after it's over? Is it easy to hide your sin? Absolutely. So there's no way for a, a, someone who's spiritual to restore him. Notice how we're supposed to do it. A spirit of what? Harshness? A spirit of gentleness. That's probably where some of you have been burned. It's because it hasn't been done the right way. It hasn't been done in love. It's been done harshly. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. What are we to do with burdens? Carry them. What often happens in our world where somebody feels too burdensome for us? We move on. Is that the way God calls us to do life together? Like, you know what, they're just too much, man. It's too much for me. What does God call us to do? Carry one another's burdens. But here's the problem. If you aren't doing life with one another, number one, you can't carry somebody else's burdens. And number two, you're not allowed to, you're, you're not, you don't have a space to be able to lay your burdens down for somebody else to carry for you. Ecclesiastes 4. So turn with me there. You got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. I'm fired up about community because I, I just know my own heart and I know where I would be without it. And, and I want you to understand that. Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Who gets more done, one person or two? That's right. It's a simple math equation, right? Two, and, and, and here's the reason why. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. You ever, you ever find yourself like, man, I just want to give up, but somebody's there. No, let's go, let's go, let's go. You ever go to the gym or, or you're going for a jog or a run or something? And, and how, what's easier, exercising alone or exercising with somebody else? I mean, maybe depending on the person you're exercising with. <laughs> But I'm pressed harder when I'm with somebody because they push me on. Woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no other to lift him up. God has given us community because we're going to fall. There are times where we're going to get tripped up. It may not even be our sin. It may be just life has tripped us up. And if we have nobody there because we haven't invested in community, we're going to find ourselves in a mess. Verse 11, again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man may, might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You don't need to turn here, but let me read 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Um, this is one that everybody should have memorized. Because this is a, a really good guide to help to know how do we care for each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. This is really a great understanding of how to care for one another. Here's what often happens. If we don't know each other well, we see people acting a fool in some certain way, and we start to form an opinion of why they're doing that, and we start to distance ourselves from that because we don't want to be around fools. But chances are they're going through their own mess that we have no idea, and we just haven't been willing to step in. And we might find out the reason why they're acting a fool is not because they're idle. It's because they're faint-hearted because they don't know how to deal with this tragedy that is coming to their life. But we step into their life. We get to know them and understand them. And all of a sudden we realize they're not idle. They're faint-hearted or they're weak. What happens if you admonish? And so admonish is like correction, like you're off. It's, it's sort of like a spiritual spanking. <laughs> what happens if you spank spiritually the faint-hearted? Those who are just need encouragement, what happens? Do you not push that person away? If you've been on the receiving end where you need somebody just to care, like they just understood what you were going through, and instead they judge you based on something, they, they think it's your sin or something that's caused you to go through what you're going through, 
Are you going to go to that person? They're going to push themselves further and further away from you. But the more we get to know one another, the more we live in community, the more we ask questions of one another. How are you doing? The more we get to know one another. And so while the world may be casting this person aside, we have gotten to know that there, there is a great tragedy that they're facing that we have the opportunity to step in and realize it's not that they're idle. It may look like that to the world. It's they're faint-hearted. They're weak. You don't admonish those. But we don't know that if we don't step into their lives. I'll finish with this reference, and you can just mark it down. I encourage you to go later, though. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 16. This, is, uh, this speaks directly to why, why we want to be in community. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. One reason why people aren't involved in community is because they know their sin and they don't want their sin to be found out. If, if, and then, so it's, it's really kind of an insane, you know what insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So we want to get rid of the sin. We're enslaved to it, but we don't want anybody else to come know about it because if they did, then they might judge you. And so, therefore, you're just continuing your sin because you don't want them to know about it. Because if they found out about it, then they would judge you. And so you continue on. You see the pattern? Have you ever found yourself? This is what happened to me. When I've experienced patterns of sin and I've brought it to somebody, say, man, i got to confess this. I've been super lazy or super impatient or whatever it may be. When I confess those because it's been hidden and it's been stewing in me, when I confess those sins, that's when I find freedom. Look at what it says here. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That what? That you may be healed. Why do we want to be in community? It's because we all need healing. We all have sin struggles that we deal with from time to time. And by confessing it, it allows people to come into our lives and be able to pray. It says the prayer of a righteous man avails much. <laughs> Why would we not want a righteous person to pray for us? That's where we find healing. So let me ask you, followers of Christ specifically, if you claim Jesus as your personal Savior, you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in him, are you participating in genuine fellowship where the things I mentioned above are part of your life? Do you prioritize the gathering of God's people on Sundays? Not because it's a checklist, because you realize the word's being preached and you need God's word, you need the encouragement. Do you prioritize closer relationships where you can do those one another's, where you can confess your sins to one another, where you can encourage one another, where you can carry each other's burdens? We cannot, we're limited in our care on a Sunday morning. If we're not willing to step in with other people, whether it's in our small groups that we have or a smaller group of Christians who you're able to go deep with, who you're able to be real and vulnerable with, I have a hard time believing you're going to really succeed as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because of the reasons that Scripture says about the temptation to have a hard heart. Are you in a small group? If not, can you say in good faith before God there is a justifiable reason not to be? If so, 
go in peace. There are seasons of life where it's just not working. But you need to have somebody in your life because of the things that we've said. Don't judge by what I say. Look at what scripture says about these things. And listen, I understand. Community is a hot mess. <laughs> is it not? Why is community a hot mess? Is because each and every one of us can be a hot mess. If you were to live life with me every day, every moment of every day, you can ask my daughter, there are some not so pretty moments. There are times where I'm not the patient father that God has called me to be. Not the loving husband that I need to be. By God's grace, he sustains me, he carries me through. I haven't, I haven't done anything that would disqualify me as being a pastor, but I'm still a bonehead from time to time. And we all are. What keeps you from being a part of the prayer gathering next Sunday night? If you in good faith can say, I have good reasons why I can't be here, then go in faith. Like that's between you and the Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and judge and write names down. Oh, so-and-so hasn't been to the prayer gathering. But if there's a good reason for you not to be here, go in faith. But if there's not, then ask yourselves why. Why aren't you a part of something? Are we not desperate for a church as a church? Are we not under attack regularly from an enemy who does not want to see us succeed? We're in trouble here, guys. I'm only on point one. <laughs> but I, I just want us to understand this. Scripture is very clear on this. There's no way around it. If you call yourself a believer in Christ, he calls us to live in community because we need it, because we're all tempted to fall away. Don't use excuses. Seek the Lord on these things. If God frees you from being a part of this, then let it be so. But let it be for a good reason. It's because you got better things to do. What better things do you do? Do you have than to pour into the lives of other people? Perhaps it's a schedule issue. We understand that. But God cares about community. He's given us that to comfort us. Number two, God closes some doors and opens others. God closes some doors and opens others. So we see here back in Acts chapter 18 that Paul is ministering in the synagogue, his favorite place. And once again, he is met with animosity. And they pull him before Gallio. And they speak negatively uh, to him. They revile him. And notice what Paul says to him in verse 6. Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. So there's a sense here where before that it said he shook out his, his garments. So this was a practice that the Jews would do when they left um, Gentile areas. They would shake the dust off their feet because they didn't want to bring it into the Holy Land. This is, this is kind of a saying, I'm done with you. Like I have done what I could do for you. I free myself. Your blood is on your own head. I've, I've preached the word of God and you've rejected it. That is on you. And so once again, rejection. But notice what happens. We have this worshiper of God, Titius Justice, and where is he? Where is he located? Verse 7. <laughs> right next to the synagogue. And then who, who joins him? Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, he was just kicked out of. He repents of his sin. He believes in his entire household is saved. And many of the Corinthians, when God closes one door, he often opens another this wasn't, this wasn't the end for Paul. It wasn't like defeat. It was like God had something else for him. And so here is this door that opens right next 
to the synagogue. Perhaps you've had dreams in your life. Perhaps you've had works of the Lord that you were participating in that God just kind of slammed the door shut and you wonder, where are you? I think part of comfort that we can find in trials is just understanding that there are ups and downs. Jesus never guaranteed that life would go easy for you once salvation came. And so find comfort in that. Paul didn't escape the temptations. Even here in the Bible, we've eventually Paul dies for his faith. He didn't, he endured more suffering after this. But God closes some doors and he opens others. Number three, God gives us himself. God gives us himself. Look at verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. God gives us himself. So we see here, there's no doubt Paul is wrestling. Like, here we go again. I got kicked out of the synagogue. I know what's followed before. I've been lashed on my back 39 times. Like, here it comes. No doubt he was fearful. And God knows this. And so Jesus speaks to him in a vision. And he basically gives three promises, three things about himself. I am with you. I will protect you. And I will save many in Corinth. In other words, your, your work here is going to be fruitful for my glory. Isn't it an amazing promise that God is with you? Believer in Christ, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, do you know that God is with you always? Do you remember the end of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20? What did Jesus say at the end of that? And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, 5, you can look it up later, says, uh, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. you you're probably going to have a day in the next week or so where you wake up and wonder, God, are you here? And the answer is always yes. Do you remember when we were led, I think it was last week when he said, God is not far from us? Verse 27 in chapter 17. They should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, his presence is with us always, to the end of the age. For some of us, we need to, and probably all of us at certain times, we need to spend more time speaking to ourselves than listening to ourselves. Do you know the difference? Your thoughts in the dark hours of the night when you just are, are, are listening and all the negative things come into your minds. We need to spend more time speaking the truth of God's word. God's word said he's always with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. God is our protector. Notice he says that he will not face any harm here. And here's where we need to draw the line. We can't pull this verse out and say, all right, in Jesus' name I claim that I will never be physically harmed here ever again. Now, was Paul harmed here in Corinth? No, he wasn't. God spared him from injury here. God wasn't saying, I will protect you always physically. But one hope for us, one comfort for us is God is our protector. He's protecting our souls. The scripture says, don't fear the one who can kill your body. Fear the one who can take your soul. And for those of us who are God's people, he will 
carry on the work that he's began in us to completion. He is our protector. Doesn't mean that physical harm won't come to us. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take out of overcome the world. But he does promise that he's preparing a place for us. And so we will never have to face an eternity in hell. And I also love the promise there that God has many here in the city. Verse 10, I have many in the city who are my people. So basically he's saying, keep preaching. I'm going to protect you. Keep preaching. There's going to be fruit. Because here's the reality. Do we save anybody? No. We plant. We water. But who brings the growth? God does. And so in our evangelistic efforts, when somebody rejects Christ, is that on us? No. We're just called to be faithful messengers of the gospel. And the good news and the comfort is, is that sometimes I'm going to share God's word with others and they're going to reject it. But others... They could be God's people who he's chosen, and if so, then they will respond to the word of God being preached. It's not on us. Free yourself from that. And I've heard some people say, well, if that's the case, if God saves people, then why do I need to go out and evangelize? Why do I need to go do that? I'll leave that to somebody else. Paul doesn't take that view at all. He realizes that he is God's man to deliver God's word there, and so he actually stays for a year and a half. He doesn't bolt and say, well, i got other things to do. This is a sin-filled city. My people are the philosophers, the thinkers. No. He stayed about the calling that God had given him because he trusted God. Number four, we see this as we move quickly here. God keeps his promises. We see here in verse 12, uh, the Jews drag Paul before Gallio and accuse him of, Persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. And Paul's getting ready to defend himself. But Gallio speaks up and says, no, I'm not buying this. There's nothing Paul that Paul has done that deserves what you are doing. And so therefore, have nothing, I have nothing to do with this. And, in, and what happens is that Paul is spared. He's not injured. Because God keeps his promises. God promised that in Corinth, he would not be injured. He would not be attacked. He would be protected. And here's the truth for us. God always keeps his promises. If he says it in his word, we can take it to the bank that he will never turn back on it. If he says he will never leave you or forsake you, guess what? He will never leave you or forsake you. If you are his chosen person, if you have repented of your sin and truly placed your faith in Christ, he will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise. The question is, are we in God's word enough to understand his promises? 2 Corinthians 1.20 speaks of the fact that in Christ all God's promises find their yes in him. It's Jesus who has declared that God's promises are true. And we could take that to the bank. But if we're not in the word, we don't understand his promises. Are you in the word enough to understand what God has said to be true? And then lastly, this. God gives grace to keep going. Verse 18 through 23, we see Paul continues on the ministry. He continues on. He leaves Corinth and goes to these different places. And listen, the journey is going to be hard for us. There are going to be times where we want to give up. There are going to be times where we find ourselves in dark places and we wonder where God's at. 
But God always gives grace to keep going. I mean, look, consider the life of Paul. Man, if we would just get our, get our eyes off ourselves, and I am speaking to Ben Hurt right now. If I would just get my eyes off of myself and my minute struggles that I face compared to what Paul faced and realize that God gave enough grace to Paul to persevere, therefore there's enough grace for me to keep going. And there's grace enough for you to keep going. Some of you, I know a little bit of your stories, and you have faced some terrible hard stuff. Praise God. Look where you're at today. You haven't given up on him because he hasn't given up on you. And his grace will sustain you to the end. In this world, we will have trouble. We're not guaranteed perfection. We're not guaranteed an easy life. Paul was not guaranteed an easy life. Paul did not live an easy life. And yet God gave his grace to continue moving on. Perhaps you need to be reminded this morning of the comfort that God gives in the ups and downs. Never forget that God has given you gospel community. And I'm not specifically speaking of gospel community church. I'm speaking of community that is surrounded by the gospel. that centers its life on the gospel. He's given you that. Don't be surprised that doors in your life will close. Some will be glad they close. Others will be heartbreaking. But he always opens up others. In the ups and downs, find comfort in the fact that God gives you himself. He will never leave you. He will protect your soul. And he will always bring fruit to the word that is proclaimed. His word never returns to him void. Remember that God always keeps his promises. Are you in the word enough to understand those promises? And when you come across those, you can take it to the bank because God never turns on his promises. He always keeps them. And then lastly, God gives grace to keep going. Let's pray. Father, I didn't get nearly enough time as I would have liked to on these things. But I pray. I pray for those who maybe are struggling with just hope and that they're struggling with the ups and downs and maybe they find themselves on the, just in the dust, just in the bottom of life. It's a down time. Would you remind them of the comfort that is amongst your people? And maybe, Lord, I know I find myself this all the time, find myself in this dark place and then I realize, man, I haven't opened up to anybody and it's often in those times where I finally open up and share the burdens that I'm carrying with somebody else where I, I actually make my way through that struggle and I, I come to the light. God, you've given us community. Protect those, those who are nervous and scared about community. I pray that you would allow them not to look at this legalistically, but that they would understand how desperately we all need community. Lord, that we would not look for perfection amongst those here because none of us has acquired that, none of us ever will until we return and you make us complete in glory. We're a work in progress. For those who have been burned by the church, I pray that you would give them a sense of vulnerability, that they would find their identity in what the gospel says. Lord, nothing criticizes us more than the cross. We cost the perfect Savior his life. And you have received us. Not by works of righteousness would be done, but according to his mercy. And so, Lord, if we're going to confess things and people are going to turn their backs on us and run the other way, Lord, that's on them. It's not on us. But it is on us to be a part of community that you called us to. So, 
Lord, help those who, are, who find a heavy heart in making these decisions to be a part of community deeper, Lord. God, remind us that you are with us in the midst of those struggles, God. Help us to fight against the temptation to, to listen to ourselves more than we speak the truth to ourselves, God. So make us men and women who hunger after your word so that we know your promises, Lord. And I thank you that you give grace to continue. Lord, bring comfort to those who need it most today, Lord. Bring comfort to us in the coming days. Thank you that you love and care for us so deeply. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you some quick action steps. Oops. Memorize 2 Corinthians 1.20. That's the scripture that says uh, in Christ we find our, uh, God's promises, we find our yes in him. I encourage you to memorize that this week. Remind yourself that, no, this is true. If God's word says it's true, it's true. Got to be careful not to take scripture out of context, but there are so many great promises. God is always with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. That's the truth. Read Psalm 139 that talks about the fact that where can we go? Can we go into the depths? Can we go into the dark? Wherever you're at, you are there. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Spend some time dwelling on that. Third thing there, I encourage you, get into community. If you're not yet involved in community, whether it's through Gospel Community Church or you have some friends that you get through regularly where you're intentionally, not just like it happens by accident because it's not going to always happen by accident, where you're intentionally pursuing one another, intentionally pursuing growth, I encourage you to find that. And then lastly, get to know God's promises. Get to know God's promises. Well, you guys may know, uh, we're not going to play a video here like I was. This is Brad and Jen McCohen, and they are... they are planting a church out of us in Indy. So we have sent them out in January. Uh, they are in the process of building a core team. And they've asked us to lift them up in prayer. God's done some cool things. Brad was able to lead a guy to the Lord and baptize him recently. Uh, but they are planting in the heart of Indy, like downtown Indy. There are hardly any churches who are reaching those, really, a, a, a sense of Corinth, if you, if you don't mind, a lot of darkness. And they are looking to pursue that. And so I just encourage you to be praying for them. Uh, tonight they're having a core, uh, a vision meeting actually. And so this is when they cast the vision to some of the local church people who, uh, three, I think they're from three of the churches in the area who have people commuting from where they're looking to plant this church. And these churches are working with Brad. And they've reached out to some of these families. And so they have about 30 people right now committed to come and listen. Would you just pray that God would bring some warriors? This is not going to be easy. I mean, those of you who are with us from the beginning, it's not easy to launch a church. So much attack comes. Pray for their family. But just pray that God would even blow the doors open, that far more people would come than they even, than even signed up. And that they would be encouraged. Uh, they need some people to come alongside to help carry some weight. So let me invite you to stand as I pray for them now. Lord, thank you for Brad and Jen McCohen as they... Um, as they are looking for, to have this vision meeting tonight, God. I pray for your blessing, for your mercies, for your grace. I pray that you go before them. I pray that you bring great fruit. I pray that you bring far more people than they could imagine. And, Lord, people who would commit, hardcore, spiritually deep and strong people who can carry some serious weight as they head into the hard places of Indy, places that many of the churches there have not tried to reach. God, would you just go and blow them away? May they see the sovereignty of God all over what they're doing, God. Encourage them, grow their team, 
And Lord, thank you that we get to be a part of that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. They're going to be with us next week, actually. So we're going to have a chance to pray over them, hear from their own mouths what's going on. So we look forward to that. Have a great week, guys.